Hello, I'm Kim Katola, host of Cradle My Heart Radio. Our mission is preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. And our vision is to bring abortion recovery to the church, reaching out to equip and encourage pastors, elders, ministry leaders, and others so they can minister God's love to the millions of Christians personally impacted by this moral crisis of our time. Saving lives and healing hearts, this is Cradle My Heart Radio. Find us online at cradlemyheart.org. Where can you find God's voice in the noise on reproductive choice? For over a million women and men each year, the question goes beyond politics to become much more pressing and personal, both before and after the choice. And we are called to love the little children just as God does. Listen to Cradle My Heart Radio with your host, Kim Katola, speaker, writer, and broadcaster, sharing God's truth to prevent abortion and help those it hurts. Learn more at cradlemyheart.org. Hello and welcome to Cradle My Heart Radio. I am your host, Kim Katola, and I'm pleased to be here giving voice to God's love. That is my call as a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm also a wife, a mother, Mimi, to seven, eight on the way in May. <laughs> I'm a sister I, and friend in faith, I hope, as well as a broadcaster and, as you heard, a writer and a speaker. Um, before we get into our topic for today, I, I'll, I'll say a little bit more about myself and let you know why I'm here and why this is so important to me to be broadcasting on this topic that we're addressing today. Um, but just to get to know me a little bit, I, I began my radio career in my early 20s, and I had a pseudonym. I was Ann Jackson. <laughs> it, was a, it was an overnight broadcast at the graveyard shift, and, you know, um, I was right on the cusp of the, of you know, f- the feminist wave of women moving into the workplace. And I, when I was in my vocational training for radio, I... I said, I am not working a graveyard shift. But of course, the great benefit and blessing of a graveyard shift is no one hears your mistakes early on. And so I was really glad to be there at WJON in St. Cloud on overnights. Uh, After about a year of that, I got hired in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul. That was my dream job. And this was also a relaunch for me. I had gone to college for a couple of years at Northwestern University in Evanston and decided that the theater major I thought was my life's dream just was not a fit. Uh, So I didn't quite know what to do after that, but ended up in radio in a vocational program and then working in the Twin Cities uh, at the age of 23, which, again, was kind of a dream come true for me. Um, I, I switched to using my married name, Kim Kitola, uh, when I made the switch to Christian radio, uh, as I did at Faith Radio and KTIS in the Twin Cities. Shout out. Uh, eventually, we were producing programs that were airing on 800 radio stations in a short feature called Cradle My Heart Today, uh, which we stopped producing back in 2018. So I moved from being a DJ and a music director I had hosting roles in morning radio and then a brief stint in television news before hosting talk shows for both general market and Christian radio formats. And, oh, man, there were so many good moments in that in those years of fun interviewing wise and wonderful guests, not only um, in the you know, music radio realm. We met a lot of, you know, stars, including Dolly Parton. I met Dolly Parton. I had a chance to speak with her uh, backstage after a show. 
And I was pregnant, big and pregnant at the time. And she rubbed my belly and predicted a girl. And yes, it was right. It was my daughter. (laughs) Oh, I don't know why that randomly came to mind. But there have been so many uh, leading lights that I've had the pleasure and the privilege to interview. And even more so after moving to Christian radio, people have just poured into me as I, you know, tried to bring their message to an audience. Um, my, my writing career began with my book, Cradle My Heart, Finding God's Love After Abortion. And I want you to know that um, my faith and my life and spirit experiences informed that book. And it was so shameful for me to have this as a detail in my past, that even as I set out to write about God's love in Jesus Christ and how that redeemed me from all the shame and the sin and the pain and the loss attached to it, I could still barely bring myself to utter that word aloud. And I know, I know that it is a sensitive word. And I apologize in advance if even hearing that word when you weren't expecting it maybe on the radio uh, is offensive to you because that is, of course, not my intention. My intention is to approach this topic with as much sensitivity as we can. However, I always aim for (laughs) that description of Jesus in John 1, 14, that he came to the world full of grace and truth. For a lot of years in my life, I have a very compliant bent to my personality, whatever my husband might tell you to the contrary. <laughs> and uh, I, boy, I'm really good at giving grace and just going along to get along, right? Um, even experienced probably, you know, some years of being a doormat as a young adult woman, of really not knowing how to stand up for myself, giving grace, giving grace, giving grace. But of course, Ken Sandy calls that peace faking, right? Um, Unless we couple our grace with truth, which is much more difficult to hear, and we have to wield it much more carefully than grace, uh, our grace is not really worth much to ourselves or to others. And so if we want to speak truthfully about this topic, we have to use certain words that we wouldn't otherwise. We have to step into certain territories that we we might not even want to go ourselves, much less to lead you there as a listener. But know that the more that we don't talk about it, uh, the more it proliferates. To the and I'm, maybe you know this. Uh, maybe you know that there are one million children lost to this every year in our country alone. And of course, we're world leaders in exporting it all around the world. And I think the annual figure is 42 million around the world. I mean, it's a huge problem. We'd have to talk about it. Where is it appropriate to talk about it? And one of the things that we're going to try to do with this broadcast is to bring this conversation into our churches. Because that should be the the safest place on earth to talk about controversial topics and to talk about topics that involve both sin, the guilt of sin, and then the loss that attends to that sin so that we have grief compounding the guilt. And, um, you know, pulling that apart and seeing where exactly God's word applies is uh, one of the things that I just love to do. Um, I traveled in, in conference ministry with Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's daughter, for a lot of years and heard stories face-to-face of, 
you know, sometimes such a personal story, you have to know someone for a very long time before they would ever risk sharing it with you. But in this conference ministry, I would give a presentation about how the gospel applies to us and how it it can really heal our hearts, that it's, that it's for us, too, if you have this experience. And so people would come to me after this one-hour workshop and share their most intimate stories uh, where I've never, we'd never laid eyes on one another before that. I mean, and then the Holy Spirit would come and bring to mind a, a word of Scripture or, you know, a, a particular focus in prayer. And what I learned was that, you know, he equipped me in those moments for bearing with the pain of others. Um, I certainly didn't ever try to fix it. How could anyone fix such a pain so deep and so profound? But I, I, again, felt that I was very privileged to hear a story and be able to offer up to the Lord the needs that flow out of that story. So it was a great deal of prayer and encouragement uh, that I took that book to market. We learned a lot doing those conferences and hearing all those stories and in the beginning, you know, when you, maybe you don't know this, but when you write a book, even for a Christian audience, <laughs> you might think it's easier, you know, like I was inspired by the Lord, but you still have to get an agent and a publisher and you still have to do all the things that go into publishing a book. And one of those things is you have to be able to say what the book is about and who it's for in a very short uh, statement called an elevator pitch. And so my elevator pitch I mean, I could not bring myself to to put that word in the elevator pitch. So this was the elevator pitch that got me an agent and a contract for the book to be published. And I said, this book is a biblical resource for the millions of Christian women who never met the child they thought they didn't want, but now wish that they could somehow know and love. And to my shock, the early draft of that book won first place at the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference in 2010, where I met a literary agent, and God set the ball rolling. And eventually, it became a finalist for the ECPA Book of the Year Awards in the New Author category in 2013. And here's a fun fact for you. Um, my The other people nominated included Jenny Allen, who's written a, a lot of very successful books. Uh, I think her her sophomore or her freshman effort was called anything about, you know, how if you give the God, if you give God the key to your heart and say anything, Lord, it's amazing how he'll answer that. And then Bob Goff was nominated for his book, Love Does. And this is really ridiculous, but I can't tell you who won <laughs> the award that year. Oh, boy. But being able to speak up is just one of the countless gifts of recovery after abortion. I mean, you no longer need to remain silent about such a profound experience. You know, keeping it a secret means that those closest to you don't know one of the most important events in your life. Um, it, it's such a pivotal part of your story for many of us. And you may never be called to speak publicly, as I have been, but uh, you you can get to a point where you feel comfortable disclosing the facts and circumstances of your experience when it's appropriate. And I promise you that because I've seen it again and again and again as God's word comes and heals our hearts. So this is actually the second edition of Cradle My Heart Radio. We first established a broadcast and podcast in Georgia, Griffin, Georgia, near my home at the time in Peachtree City. And that was 10 years ago in 2012 following the publication of the book. And... Um, I retired in 2018, moved to the Phoenix area, um, 
and it just it made a lot of sense. My husband had just retired, and we have uh, we had a whole crop of grandbabies, like five of them born within a three year period, <laughs> including a set of twins. Um, so I was helping out a lot with the grandchildren, and also serving in abortion ministry, recovery ministry through local pregnancy centers. Again, some of my training I mentioned, I went to Northwestern University for theater and communications. I returned to to college and uh, got a bachelor's degree in ministry at University of Northwestern St. Paul in 2008. And then I also studied applied bioethics at Oklahoma Wesleyan University, um, and that was about five years ago now with Scott Klusendorf. If you are are a pro-life advocate, as I am, I uh, know you probably are familiar with Scott's work. Uh, on a future broadcast, I'll be sharing with you what I learned from Scott about pro-life apologetics and how to make the case for life winningly and persuasively. Uh, and and he trains us as Christians to make the case for life from science, from philosophy, and from more morality, um, as well as then adding in the biblical case for those who are believers in the Bible and in, and in God. But you can make the case on those first three points without having someone dismiss you as a Bible thumper or, or you're Christian, I'm not, so that doesn't apply to me. So it's a very, very compelling um, presentation that Scott trains us to, to be able to, to put forward. And, and I took that to Christian high schools and colleges and really uh, love to do that. I'd love to help people see the light of how you can make that case. And it doesn't have to devolve into a shouting match or um, arguments or gridlock as, you know, you uh, present different arguments to one another. I also recently earned my chaplaincy certificate with Christian chaplains and coaches. Again, just because, you know, the ministry of Jesus Christ is to come alongside people in pain. And I'm not sure yet where that chaplaincy is going to take me, but I know that there's a great need for it in the pregnancy help movement as well. You know, stories are so powerful. When I tell our stories, not just mine, but all the stories of all the women and men I've heard from through the years, I picture a world of women and men healed after that life-altering mistake. Drawing on my own faith and my own experience of child loss through choice, so-called choice, I offer practical steps for releasing the grief and guilt and walking in newness of life. And because I know and appreciate the special struggles men face, I offer resources Uh, and referrals for men, too. And in the end, I hope our stories prevent anyone else from suffering as we have. I, I want to encourage and empower women and men to make a better choice. But also, if they are harmed and walking in that worldly sorrow that says, I can never be forgiven, I can never be redeemed, I can never tell anyone who I really am, that we can find a way through the grace of God to turn that into the godly sorrow that leads to repentance and leaves no regret, as it says in Corinthians. Our purpose in offering this new broadcast is to carry on that work, reaching out with God's love to all those who've been hurt by abortion. And I really have a new focus right now, which is reaching out to pastors and elders, ministry leaders to equip and encourage abortion healing and recovery in the church. So if you are a church leader in any capacity, I hope that you will find this outreach helpful. I I know the challenges to reaching pregnant women are great. 
Um, and certainly, if you are someone you know is pregnant, we'll have lots of resources and support for you, too. I'll mention our website here, cradlemyheart.org, which has a full listing of resources, both um, national and as well as some local resources that um, are doing an outstanding job on their outreach. Uh, and also, if, you, you know, if you're driving, you, don't, you can't write that down, cradlemyheart.org. Go to Focus on the Family's website and look for their pro-life resources as well as post-abortion or abortion recovery resources because we are all about sharing the work that's already been done by so many people who have been laboring in this mission field for so many years ever since abortion became legal. You know, in I'm not... I, I praise God for all those who are striving in the political arena, and I support every bit of pro-life legislation that saves lives. Uh, however, that's not my primary call. And so we, you know, we, you may you may find yourself at some point frustrated if I'm not being political enough. You know, you want you may want more political action out of a broadcast like this. Uh, but I will tell you that I see abortion as the preeminent moral crisis of our time. A million lives lost every year in our country. I mean, I on my way over to the studios here at Faith Talk 1360, I passed a pet resort. And there's nothing wrong with loving your pet. But when one million children are gone every year, and yet we have the resources to pamper an animal, there is something deeply wrong in our culture. It is the preeminent moral crisis of our time. And, and I think, by the way, we have a pet. I think pets, both and, <laughs> save the children and love your pets. I'm not saying anything against being a, you know, a, a dedicated uh, pet owner. But uh, as we go along in this broadcast, I'm going to try and share what I've learned from you, what I've learned from others, share that with you. Uh, you know, before I wrote my book, I was sharing the message of my redemption on my radio broadcasts and giving my testimony in churches and recovery centers as well as for pregnancy center fundraisers. And I often was called on to tell the story of how I was drawn into this work. And I, you know, I want you to know that I have had that experience and I want you to know that it deeply scarred me. And I want you to know that I am fully healed. I think that these are the most important things to know. And at different times when it's appropriate, I will tell you how far Jesus went to bring me back to himself. However, on an inaugural broadcast, I'm not sure that that's really the right thing for us to do. I think there are more important things that we can talk about. But I promise you as we go along, and, and it's all there for you to read, and it's already published in a book. It's not that I'm trying to hide anything from you. But I think that um, I don't want to, first of all, I don't want to put anyone off with details that they may find distressing. Um, and I also don't want to uh, open a door for someone who would criticize a ministry like mine uh, out of hand, without hearing more and knowing more. And it could be very easy to become critical. I, I also will say that I've learned that my story is only my story. There are an infinite number of reasons why women will have an abortion. Generally, if you try to find data like that, 
you're going to have to go to somebody who's a uh, proponent of abortion rights. And this was shocking to me when God first called me to tell the story of my experience, because as you heard, I was a broadcaster. And at that time, I'd been on the radio for 23 years. And I knew that if you're going to open your mouth about anything, you better have your facts if you want your message to be of value to anybody else. And so I had so strongly avoided ever learning anything about the topic of abortion after I experienced it. My denial, which is a coping mechanism, it's a defense mechanism against admitting you were wrong, taking that wrong to the Lord, receiving the forgiveness that's already been won for us, and walking out in newness of life. I couldn't imagine any of those steps because I wasn't a follower of, of Jesus Christ. All I had was this loss and guilt and shame. So I, I did not want to go anywhere near that topic. But once God had redeemed me and freed me from the shame, I, I began to educate myself. And I was literally shocked to learn that even at the time, which is I've been doing this now for over 20 years, that number is pretty steady, about a million a year. I had no idea. And if that's also news to you, um, stay with us because your eyes are going to be open to just how much of an issue and a problem this really is in the church. So you would go to some secular organization like Guttmacher Institute, which is, um, you know, they advocate for abortion rights. So they have a built-in bias to all of their data. And you need to know that if you ever go there looking for information about, for example, why women have abortions. And they'll say that it's mostly economic reasons. And they'll say, you know, most of the women who choose abortion say that they are Christian. Uh, and they have these various, de- they'll say women are uniformly relieved. 95% report they have no negative emotional impact following I mean, if you send five of us out shopping for shoes, you're going to have different emotional reactions. How can they say something so profoundly life-altering could have a uniform emotional reaction in all the women that experience it, all the millions now uh, of women through the years, year after year after year, who've experienced it? So um, I, knowing my story isn't going to be as important for you as knowing some of these other dynamics. And, you know, during the years when I was avoiding it, uh, avoiding dealing with my own past, I would say that I was personally opposed to abortion, but I couldn't tell others what to do. And if you've ever said that, or you feel that way, or you're uneasy about imposing your opinion on others, boy, you stay with us, because we're going to deal with that (laughs) again and again and again on this broadcast. Uh, I personally tried to occupy that position because I did not want anyone to know about my personal involvement. I was trying to defend myself silently with that position. I want you to know that I'm often people who take that position are trying to defend a personal abortion story, maybe that not their own, but maybe someone else's. So I became a believer in Jesus Christ over 10 years after that abortion and during a divorce. And I knew that I needed to find a better way to live for my children's sake. And I will gladly tell you how that happened. I went to a support group, not a Christian group, but it became a Christian group because a woman there spoke God's truth into me. As she listened to my multiple confessions, she said, Kim, God loves you. 
And if you were the only one, he would have come for you to die for you. And she said, nothing that you've done is above the price that he's already paid for your sins. She said, First John 1, 8, 9 says, if we say we're without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And somehow the way she spoke about him sparked my imagination and took the focus off me into his personality. What must he be like to love people that way? And so uh, I became a believer. And then it became very important to me to reconcile my past with my new belief. And I tried to do that at church. And again and again and again at different churches, I found obstacles and roadblocks. I also met some pastors who were extremely savvy about what exactly I needed to hear. One said, oh, you want to help with abortion recovery? That's like triage in a war zone, like you're you know, crawling out under the, you know, under the crossfire and pulling the bodies out, <laughs> uh, the wounded out, you know. And I said, well, I don't know about that, but he got it. He understood that we were on a rescue mission helping those who've been hurt in this way. So that's a little bit about why we're here and about who I am. You can learn my whole story at cradlemyheart.org. And I hope that you will visit there because there's also a way for you to find um, an email address and other ways to reach out and, and get in touch with us. And I hope that you will do that, too. I'd love to hear your questions that we can address, uh, address on a future broadcast. Again, that's cradlemyheart.org. And just for the knowing, if you're curious, it's Kim Ketola, which is spelled K-E-T-O-L-A. And we can thank my husband's uh, Finnish heritage for that. This is Cradle My Heart Radio, and our purpose is finding God's love after abortion. And when we do that, I know we prevent abortion as we share our stories to try to warn others, but also as we walk out in the fullness of new life in Jesus Christ, because we are because of him, free indeed. This is Cradle My Heart Radio with Kim Katola, preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. Please get in touch with Kim. Find out more at cradlemyheart.org. You can listen to the podcast on all platforms.